A reading from the 14th Psalm. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Believe it or not, the Bible has a good bit to say about fools. Particularly the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 18.6 says this, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. That's true, isn't it? Y'all seen that guy before, haven't you? Proverbs 14.6 says, One who is wise, who is cautious, and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to Titus, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Psalm 107, verse 17 says this, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. That last verse, fools through their sinful ways, is echoed in a famous quote by an unlikely source. The grandfather of gangster rap, a very violent, hateful person named Eze, said these words, People act a fool because they want to act a fool. People who do senseless violence on other people do it because they want to. With all of the searching that we're doing for answers for those problems in our society, there it is. People act a fool because they want to. We could read the first line of Psalm 14 and ponder the possibility that people who say in their heart there is no God do so because they want to. And perhaps that's why the psalmist calls them fools. 
I recently saw a commercial for a new television show on the TNT network. The show is called Proof. It's about a doctor's search for proof of life after death. I think that that show's existence is proof that humanity's experiences, even just the American humanity's experience in the last couple of weeks of depravity and violence, that experience causes us to long for something else. Seeing senseless shootings in churches and military centers and theaters causes us to want to believe that there's an authority greater than us. That there's an authority greater than human being. We hope for some entity or some personality that will hold humanity accountable and put a stop to the senselessness that that might affect, whether through some example or even through threats, some sort of morality that might start to look like goodness. Some people believe that that entity is government. That if we can just pass enough laws and then enforce those laws, that people who act as if there are no God would be forced to cease their gluttonous consumption and destruction of other people. We have law enforcement officials and retired sheriffs in this congregation who can tell you that that won't work. That that's a pipe dream. That we can't pass enough laws to cause people to stop acting like fools. Humanity, they believe, is only answerable to itself and the institutions that it creates. That if we can create the perfect government, the perfect law, everything will be perfect. Those people disallow the possibility that Psalm 24 is correct when it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Those people do not believe that everything in this world belongs to a living and loving God. They believe that it belongs to us. And that somehow we can form ourselves into some entity that will thus be willing to take care of it. The psalm calls those people fools. People who act as if there is no God. Other people accept the premise of Psalm 24. They receive the idea that there is a God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells therein. And consequently, they accept that there is a basis for morality that is higher than humanity is itself. That we don't decide what is good, but God decides what is good. The Christian notion of morality is based and centered in the belief that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the creator and the possessor of everything that exists, including the dust that floats through the air. All that exists, then, must be beheld, respected, and treated, and engaged as if it belongs to God and not to us. Christians believe that humanity is created and not the result of a fortunate accident of chance. We inherit that from our Hebrew ancestors. And it forms our responsibility to other human beings and to the smallest of flowers. Our desire to see that little purple violet that's under your tree flourish and grow comes 
from the loving God who created that violence. The question Psalm 14 puts before us is, are we autonomous? Free to be whatever we wish and do whatever we wish without being accountable to the judgment of anyone? Or are we autonomous? Free to be whatever we wish and do whatever we wish while being held accountable to the judgment of our Creator? Psalm 14 tells us that the one who chooses to behave as if there is no judge is a fool. And it's important that we wrestle those questions away from the current atheist versus Christian dialogue that's going on in our political and societal situation today. It's a senseless argument. I don't think that modern philosophical atheism is exactly what Psalm 14 is talking about. Though it is what Psalm 14 is most often used to address, because sometimes Christians like to quote that first verse to atheists and say, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I wonder if people who quote that to modern atheists really believe that it will convince them that they're wrong. It seems to me that those atheists that our culture is currently celebrating, people like Richard Dawkins and Ron Reagan, who has a new commercial on CNN calling us to support the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Don't send them people money. Those atheists actually believe that we, people like us who say in our hearts that there is a God, they believe that we are the fools throwing our lives away on silly superstition. That we've abandoned wisdom and fallen into folly. So I wonder why they would give any credence at all to the Bible. What good will it do to tell them, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's the reason that some Christians like to remind each other that you and I are the only Bible that that person may ever read. You and I are the only Scripture that may ever be held up before Richard Dawkins' face that he might take seriously. You and I might be the only evidence for the existence of God that some people may actually engage in, that they might actually look at and reason over, that they might actually ponder, that they might look at our love for each other and our love for other neighbors and other people, that they might look at our love for creation and wonder and wonder why we do that. Why do they love each other? That may be the only evidence that some people may be able to receive is the way that those who claim to be the family of God treat the earth, the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein as if they are the creation and the possession of an almighty and loving God who will hold us to account for how we treat the earth and His people. That may be the only evidence they might be willing to receive. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples because you love one another. By your love for one another, they will know you are my disciples. Jesus also said that the two greatest commandments are you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Those things, dear ones, bear witness that there is a God. And clearly, the people who are addressed in this psalm were not doing that. They weren't doing either one. They weren't loving God or loving their neighbor. They were consuming their neighbors like bread. And even worse, it seems to be a conscious choice. How can we say that we love God if our actions deny God? How can we say we love God if we refuse to love anyone else? These, in my view, are the overarching questions of all of Scripture. As Jesus said, all of the law and the prophets hang on those two commands. That we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Who among us could say that we've never done anything against God or our neighbor? I can't. And that's why Paul quotes verse 14 when attempting to describe the human condition that requires a Savior. This is what he wrote. We have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Not one understands. Not one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Paul is asserting that all of humanity has said in its hearts, there is no God. There's no one to hold us accountable for our actions. That belief is what allows the shootings that have happened in the last two months in our country. The worst form of atheism is not intellectual atheism, but a practical atheism. Choosing, choosing, dear ones, to behave as if there is no God so that we might be free to do whatever we want and to be free from the threat of guilt, from the threat of judgment, of someone else saying to us that is wrong. To do whatever our selfish hearts desire. Listen, the worst advice you can ever give another human being is follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is a deceiver. Follow Christ. Not the heart. The worst form of atheism is practical atheism. When we choose to act like God doesn't exist and do whatever we want. Psalm 14 says that, dear ones, makes us fools. Becoming the fool described in Psalm 14 includes not a lack of knowledge, but a failure to acknowledge God by being obedient to God, by loving God and loving our neighbors. Loving other human beings. Loving turtles. Whatever injured or hurt thing passes your way. Whatever wounded spirit you come in contact with. Wisdom, according to Psalm 14, is seeking after God. We seek after God by trusting in God rather than by trusting in ourselves. We seek after God by worshiping God instead of worshiping ourselves, instead of putting ourselves first. 
We seek after God by taking refuge in God rather than by relying on our own strength. Wickedness, which is foolishness, involves denying what is before us, the beauty and the love of God. In order to do whatever we please, it means ignoring and consuming other people for our own gain. And Psalm 14 reminds us that if we buy into our culture's assertion that that's okay, that we can do whatever we want, and suppose that it doesn't hurt other people, then we behave as if there is no God. That if we follow after what our culture says and believe that this life is all about us, we will find ourselves being evildoers who eat the poor, who eat the weak, the hurting, the oppressed, and all those people that God has always called His own. A fool says in her heart, there is no God. That's akin to saying what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's granting ourselves license to sin. And that, dear ones, is what makes us a fool. For no matter what we might convince ourselves in order to allow ourselves to do that thing that we know God would not approve of, we will ultimately be held to account by God. There's a story that Jesus told that American investment counselors would tell you is all twisted up. There was a rich man who planted his crop, and that year the ground was greatly fertile, and he had a tremendous increase, so much that he couldn't put it in the barns he already had. And so he decided he would build himself some more barns and store it up. He said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus said, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Psalm 14 is telling us that's how it will be for anyone, for anyone who denies the existence of God in order to consume all that there is. The rich man practiced a practical atheism. He did not seek God's wisdom for what he should do with his excess, but sought his own wisdom and his own care. Perhaps he knew Perhaps he knew that if he had sought God's guidance on what he should do with all of his extra stuff, God would have said, give it to the poor. And so he chose chose to build storehouses for himself and ignore the wishes of God. Practical atheism. An atheism that allows us to divorce ourselves from God's desire that we be holy from God's desire that we love and serve those who are the least in this world. 
That practical atheism is the devil's greatest trap for us. Wisdom, seeking after God, rests in being impractical. And believing in a God we can't see. A God whose beauty and love are all around us. Dear ones, we are called. We are saved for the purpose of being impractical. Loving and trusting God. And loving and serving others who may not love us in return. May we be those people. And impractical people who say in our heart there is a God who love God and love others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.